Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to the show which talks to Christian leaders about the topics that really matter. I'm Andy Peck. Redundancy can be a tough and painful time. But for today's guest, it included a life change that's led to some extraordinary opportunities. I'm joined this week by Stephen Barber, who was offered a redundancy package by Geographer's A to Z map company in 2010, after working with them for 26 years. Today he is a lay evangelist with the Diocese of Rochester, based at St Stephen's Church, Tunbridge, and involved with a number of charities, including being a champion and advocate for the Canadian ministry Impact Nations a charity set up in 2005 by Steve Stewart, which is seeing some extraordinary things happen around the world. So welcome, Stephen, to the Leadership Farm. Hello, Andy. Um, maybe we could start a little bit with your uh, being part of uh, Geographer's A to Z map company. What was your role? My role was very varied. It was invariably office orientated. Mm-hmm. I joined the firm originally Stock Control. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is uh, back in the days before computers were uh, common practice mm-hmm. uh, to be used. I rapidly became involved in the commissioning of computers within the business mm-hmm. and became a systems administrator, uh, a Unix system administrator for those who like it. So mm-hmm. I go back to the days of DOS 1.1 and All Windows right. 3.1 and uh, concurrent CPM. And that was the way it was until about um, the year 2000 uh, when I was made up to being a director and responsible for all the systems within the company. Um, And then I went to become sales director, uh, ultimately moving on to being more involved with marketing and systems Mm. before accepting my redundancy, as you so correctly say, in 2010. Okay. So um, had you come to faith much before this time or...? When I started with them, no. When I started with them, I was still very much a non-believer. Mm. The founder, Phyllis Pearsall, was a very strong Christian and given the company over to the employees because mm. of her faith. Okay. Um, and it was several years into being uh, an employee at A to Z that um, Jesus spoke to me one night. Oh, well, okay. Uh, well, can you tell me tell me more? I mean, that sounds... Yes, I'd been brought up with a family that didn't believe. They'd been strongly affected, my mum and dad, by the Second World War. Mm. Um, I had um, been in a Methodist scout troop and hadn't really been impacted by that. Mm. Um, I'd certainly also been married in an Anglican church and had both children baptised. But I was a strong believer in little green men in flying saucers and didn't believe that the church was anything more than for the weak-minded and those who needed a, a, a support. And one night I'd had the curate, Mark Rainsbury, come to talk to me. The most common thing we had in practice was train sets. I have a model train set. Uh, So after he left, I returned to the attic and was mulling over in my mind what he was saying and basically saying, what a shame, it's such rubbish, when the audible voice of God said, I'm sorry you don't believe because I do. It might not be grammatical, but that's what he said, and that turned my life inside out. Wow, that's that's a wonderful story. So, um, I mean, maybe we'll come back to to that a little bit later. But uh, So redundancy came. You ended up offering yourself a service, which eventually took you on a trip to Tanzania. So tell me about how that all happened. Yes. Um, actually, five years before I was made redundant, I felt God saying that he wanted me to do things that mm. I couldn't do whilst I was employed. Mm. And I had said to God in prayer that I was delighted, but I wasn't going to make myself redundant uh, and plodded on. So the day I was made redundant, I actually jumped for joy because... Mm. 
I felt that this was God now actually working in my life in a new way. And I had no idea what to do. It was a little bit of a surprise when it came. I phoned a number of the leading charities, um, explained what I was looking for. They asked me my age, and invariably there was a laugh at the other end of the line, and the phone would go down. Uh, so I was getting frustrated. Mm. Um, but at uh, New Wine that summer, I was on prayer ministry, which is one of my real delights within the um, Christian teachings. It's believing that God heals today. And I was at the back of the arena and met a gentleman who turned out to be a Anglican bishop in Western Kenya. Wow. So I sort of invited myself to come and visit him. Mm. And that's when the exciting journeys began. Fantastic. Yeah. So um, you, you went to, to Tanzania and then came trips to Kenya and India with this charity Impact for Nations. Um, yes. So can you mention, you know... Um, how Impact for Nations came about? Impact Nations is a Canadian ministry that indirectly came out of the Vineyard Church. Mm. Uh, Steve Stewart, who is the uh, mm. CEO, and his uh, good wife, Christina, um, have been leading prog uh, teams all around the world. Uh, to join a team, he'll take anybody. You don't even have to be a Christian, but by day two, you sure will be. <laughs> um, but he felt that um, the Lord had asked him what he wanted to do. And he said that he wanted to rescue lives spiritually, mm. uh, supernaturally, economically, medically and educationally. And so teams uh, are taken out on that very basis. Well, so you, um, you did, what did you sort of, how did you come across Impact Nation? It was an email, like mm. so many things. Mm. Um, people knew what my wife and I were doing, where our interests lay, mm. and an email arrived one day that had been sent on, and we looked at it, uh, prayed about it, contacted the team mm. in Canada, spoke to them using Skype, which was uh, nice. I think it's always good to see a face. Mm. And we decided that we would do it, mm. uh, that we would pay the airfare, uh, there is a substantial cost to go out mm, because mm. they're running medical programs in the poorest communities. So right. we have to pay not only for our own accommodation and food, which, but we're also paying for all the medical programs. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of uh, pharmaceuticals are carried out. Right. So we, I, I don't know Kenya well, but which part of Kenya for those who do? Nakuru was the mm -hmm. city that we were working mm -hmm. in, which is about three hours' drive north of the capital, Nairobi. So it's very much in the heart of the country. It's an area with many different uh, tribes. It's mm -hmm. a city that is growing very fast. It's one mm -hmm. of the fastest-growing cities in the world, drawing in people from across uh, Kenya, which is all the tribes. Uh, it's an area, therefore, which is suffering from lack of infrastructure to support mm -hmm. this huge influx of people. Right, right. And so um, what what happened as you, you know, you visited the area that you were due to? What to tell, tell me about you know, some of the things that happened. When all right. There. The team arrived from all around the world. So mm. we'd come in from England, but there were people mm. coming in from Canada, South Africa, United mm. States, Australia. So the first thing to do was to get the team gathered, which mm. we did in Nairobi. And then we bust up into the Rift Valley, into the city of Nakuru, where mm. we met our host, Mike Braun, who runs uh, a large church there. And he then explained what we were going to be doing. Mm. The first two days was very much getting the medical side set up, working out the teams, what we mm. were going to be doing, Steve doing some teaching. And then we went into the program as 
planned by our host, which involved going into schools, hospitals, some of the poorest communities I've certainly ever visited, mm. um, and um, providing the love of Jesus into those in practical ways as well as through prayer. Right. And um, you, you said when Steve Stewart had responded to you know, the invitation by the Lord to um, to do what he wanted. He wanted to impact, uh, you know, people in, in, in all sorts of ways. What are some of the things that you saw take place when you were there? Amazingly different things. Mm. Um, quite literally, we would visit a school mm. and talk to the children about why we were there. We would go and visit a rubbish tip, and the first time we visited the rubbish tip, there were many children on the rubbish tip. Mm. So part of the program turned out to be setting up programs which would allow the children to come off and get an education, whereas the parents were very much dependent on living on the rubbish Mm. tip and salvaging what they could out of the lorries as they Mm. arrived, fighting off the feral pigs who were interested in the same items. So as a result of us being there, talking to them, microfinance projects were put in place. Uh, The women now on the rubbish tip are making jewellery to raise money, which keeps the children at school and fed. Mm. Uh, We were there providing practical medical care to those same people. So we had doctors, nurses, dentists. Mm. A lot of the children there have got real bad problems with their teeth. Most of them would never, ever have seen a dentist. So to have a dentist come on who would invariably pull teeth because there isn't enough time to be fancy, but then they would get all the antibiotics they would need before they left, and toothbrushes and toothpaste uh, as a starter. Right, sure, sure. Okay. But that, but we also went into areas like Pocot, which is bandit country, and mm. working there with um, an American nurse who is uh, on her own in an area where there's no schools, no education as a result, no hope for the people. It's an area that's 1,000, 2,000 years of civil war between the tribes. Well. So it's not an area where tourists would go. You have to get permission from the army, from the government, and from the police just to go into the area. Gracious. And I understand you visited a prison? when you Was that this visit? Yes. The, the first visit we visited both the men's and the women's prison Mm. in Nakuru. Uh, We did a lot of baptisms in the men's prison, and part of the delight of that was finding myself being invited into this huge uh, water butt that had been sliced Mm. in half and actually helping with the baptisms of hundreds of men um, in a prison which had been built by the British back in the 50s to accommodate about 100 men and was holding somewhere between one and 2,000 people, depending on who you ask the question of. Oh, gracious. So how, how had these guys come to faith? Through the work of the local church there. Wow. And they had said that uh, a team was coming in from around the world. So the prisoners had said, well, we would like to be baptised and we would like the team to be involved. So not only were baptising mm. because of the size of the team as people came out of the baptism, mm tank we were praying and laying hands on them and prophesying over them this is the first time i've been in a situation where stephen can you just prophesy over these people as they come out of the gracious uh, me out of the baptism tank and we were just amazed in the following days how many of those prophecies came true with Mm. people being let out of prison in circumstances that were making the news in kenya well well so um you went to uh we're going to carry on in a minute uh with uh, maybe after the break with looking at your trip to India as well. So you're listening to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by uh, Stephen Barber. Uh, Stephen's talking about some of the 
things that happened after he was uh, offered a redundancy package by geographers A to Z Map Company in 2010. We'll be back just after this. Welcome back to the Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Stephen Barber. Uh, Stephen is a, a lay evangelist with the Diocese of Rochester based at St Stephen's Church, Tunbridge. Um, he was made redundant back in 2010 and has seen uh, some extraordinary uh, work of God in some of the visits he's made, We're particularly with uh, the charity Impact Nations. And we were talking before the break of his uh, trip to Kenya. And uh, you also went to India, Stephen. So yes. time-wise, what was the uh, was a, ga- a kind of gap between the two, obviously? but I went out to Kenya twice with mm-hmm. Impact Nations. Yep. And as a result of that, the team leader would love to see the program develop wider in this country. Mm. There's a lot of people from Australia involved in the program mm. and Canada, uh, and as I say, South Africa and the United States, but very few people travelling out from this country. Mm. So he had asked my wife and I whether we would consider being advocates for the program, okay. which we thought was a good, mm. good uh, thing to do. But that really meant we needed to go and see how the project worked outside of the very limited view that we'd had mm. in, in mm. Kenya. So, uh, again, uh, I was able to save up some pocket money and buy a ticket. So um, January of this year, I found myself on an Air India flight out to India, uh, flying up to the city of Chandigarh uh, to work with the house church movement in Mm. northwest India. Wow. Wow. And uh, again, what what was your brief this time? Brief was very similar uh, to the experiences we had had in Kenya. Again, we were taking medical um, programs into some of the very poorest communities and subtly different that we weren't visiting the prisons, we weren't going into schools this time. It was much more focused on working um, with the house church movement and actually learning what they're doing in India, which in itself is very amazing. Right. And... um Obviously, you're, you've got medical equipment with you to, 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 to need to help people. But also, you obviously, you've got God's resources. Yes. And, and uh, I understand that as you were, you know, you prayed for folk, you saw some extraordinary things take place. Yes. And this has been true on all of the trips that my mm. wife and I have been on, that God does amazing things. So particularly with Impact Nations, we've gone out with a medical team. Mm. So we are providing the sort of medical care that a GP practice in this mm. country can mm. offer. So people can come in with earache and get drops. They can come mm. in with um, joint aches and get um, whatever the tablets are mm. that the doctors feel is appropriate for their needs. But when you have a young girl, perhaps 13 years old, come off the, one of the rubbish tips, she's got one leg three inches shorter than the other. Either her knee was um, six inches higher than it should have been to the side or she had a huge growth on the side of her leg. Um, she comes, we can't speak uh, Hindi. Um, we've lost our translator. I'm standing with an Australian nurse seeing this girl coming to us and she just smiles. So we lay a hand on her and she continues to smile and we just speak the love of Jesus into her. As we're speaking the love of Jesus into her, in about 10 seconds, her leg has grown out to the same length as the longer leg. Mm. And this growth on the side of her leg has completely vanished. So moments later, she is dancing back into the rubbish tip, knowing that God loves her. Isn't that astonishing? Wow, that's wonderful. (laughs) And that's just one of a number of stories you could tell, I'm sure. I was working out that I think in the last 12 months, with my own eyes, Mm. I have seen something just short of 500 
biblical miracles <laughs> and that it would ignore the miracles where you don't know what has happened. If somebody comes to you and they want to, let's say, uh, a newly married woman wants to conceive a child, I can't tell you whether that's happened. Understood. Yeah, but yeah. if they have been paralysed as a result of a stroke mm. and they're healed, you see it happen immediately. Yeah. And I understand the church is really growing very, very rapidly in parts of India. And in Kenya, for the and same reason. Mm. They have taken the concept that the New Testament should be taken very literally. Mm -hmm. So when Jesus sent the disciples out, these were not people who had 10-year theological degrees and mm. master's degrees. These were people who had perhaps only spent a few days with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And he said, go out, heal the sick. doesn't say pray for the sick. He says, mm. heal the sick and tell them the kingdom is close. Mm. And that is what we were doing. That is what the church is doing out there. So Randy Matthews and his wife set up a church mm. in northwest India 12 years ago. Two of them going into an area with virtually no Christian church, and in some cases definitely no Christian church. Mm. Their church in 12 years has grown to 335,000. <laughs> Gracious me. <laughs> 335,000. That was last October. <laughs> My word. So... We're talking, you know, this is that's just staggering stuff, isn't it? They're not constrained by the size of a church, no. because they've very much decided to go with the old, with the with the uh, the model shown in the New Testament, a home church. Mm. So a church which would start, you invite somebody into your home. Quite often, somebody who doesn't know Jesus, but somebody who has mm. an emotional problem, a physical problem, a relational problem. Can I pray for you? Mm. Things happen. Things change. So often, if it's a practical healing, it's immediate. Mm. Um, other things happen. People just stand there sort of amazed, and they just say, this is the love of God. This is mm. the love of Jesus who wants you to know how much he loves you. Would you like to meet him? Would you like to know more mm. about him? You've now got the start of a home group. Yeah. A home group out there multiplies out every nine months. Wow. To the extent that um, a new believer would be expected to be running a home group himself or herself within six weeks possibly of accepting Jesus. Well, <laughs> But to be a home group leader, to have any office in the house church out there, you have had to have led six people to faith. Right, it's right. not pyramid selling. Hmm. It's <laughs> just showing people that Jesus loves them. Would they like to know more about Jesus? Hmm. And the church grows to, to 335,000. It sounds wonderfully simple, doesn't it? In fact, obviously the Christian message at one level is wonderfully simple, which we massively complicate. And you know, We do, and we chatted with Randeep about this and uh, asked him, why is it working there? And he said, well, it's working in the Old Testament. How on earth did the early church grow from mm. those 11 frightened men in a room mm. to the size of the church within a few hundred years? Yeah, yeah. They've just decided to go back to looking at how the model worked there without all the extra um, programs that mm. so many churches have yeah. introduced in the West. Mm. We said, well, does it work outside of India? He says it's up and running in Egypt. Mm. It's up and running in parts of Australia. Mm. It's not social. Uh, the gospel was written for all times and for all people. Mm. What worked 2,000 years ago works today yeah. and certainly is working. Amen. <laughs> so... Um, I mean, coming thing, bringing things back to home and uh, towards the end of our, sadly, the end of our conversation, um, you you're involved in healing on the streets um, in in Tunbridge. I mean, most people I'm sure are aware of the healing on the streets movement and the opportunity 
um, that people have outside the church to just to come for prayer. Um, you've you've seen things happening in India and Kenya. What about Tunbridge? Tunbridge started off very fast, mm. very very fast. We saw an enormous amount of changes. Mm. We had even on the first day that we went out, we had somebody came to us who said that the doctors had told him he had six weeks to live. Wow. We prayed for him and didn't see him again for a year. You can put whatever thoughts you want into <laughs> that one. We have certainly seen legs grow out. I've certainly seen three legs grow out wow. in, on, the, on that street there. We ha- hold a book because actually we see so much that mm. sometimes we don't even believe it ourselves. Right, right. So we don't keep a record to boast. We keep a record actually to keep our faith up. Understood. Yeah. Well, that's, that's fantastic to hear because some people, you know, you'll know the classic argument is that, yes, we see you see miracles in those third world countries, but you don't see them in a Western nation because faith isn't as strong. We're not as dependent on Did you, I mean, do you see, does, does that make any sense to you? Or? There is. And I think actually the biggest barrier that we've got in this country is disbelief. Yeah. When you work in India, when you work in Africa, mm. they may not be Christian. They may be Hindu. They may mm. be Sikh. They may be Muslim. They may be tribal Mm. groups but they believe in the very nature of the spirit world they believe that there are gods Mm. Um, they believe in the spirits good and bad Mm. you then come back to this country and we believe in the power of science and it's like jesus when he went back to see his own community isn't this jesus Mm. the son of jacob the expectation went down yes yes yeah, and sadly, sadly, that's often the case in the UK, though wonderfully not always. No, and I've seen amazing things in this country. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, Impact Nations has these uh, journeys of compassion teams throughout the year. Um, you know, you've spoken wonderfully about just you know touched on a few of your experiences. How could people get involved with Impact Nations? Very simple. The easiest thing is just to type in the words Impact Nations. Mm. You don't even have to remember the website. It will bring it up for <laughs> yes. you. And that then will take you onto their website. You can contact them. If you want to speak to me, they will certainly mm. send your details across to me so that you can speak to somebody in this country. Excellent. And uh, you, you're planning to go again yourself in a particular trip? Or? I would love to go back out to India. Mm. They're going out to uh, Uganda in the early part of the new year they've just mm. come back from nicaragua and haiti and uh, they actually had a team in haiti the day of the earthquake actually mm. planning so they love haiti there's huge needs um so yes if i can save up some more pocket money um i will be out on on another trip well, that's wonderful so the the webs you say you you could just type in impact nations um you you also lay a, a evangelist with the diocese of rochester what does that involve it initially involved fi- uh, doing uh, three years of training with the mm-hmm. Diocese of Rochester uh, with a specific focus on evangelism. So in the year 2000, I was commissioned at Rochester Cathedral mm-hmm. by the then Bishop Michael Nazir Ali. Mm-hmm. And the program really is very open-ended. It's, it's, a, it's a lovely title without an office. Mm-hmm. Um, and really... Any chance to share the gospel is evangelism. We're mm. all asked to evangelize. So whether you're healing on the streets and laying hands on in the public mm. place or whether or not it's a much more private thing and you're just coming alongside people, we're all asked to share the gospel and the love of Jesus. Wonderful. Well, Stephen, it's been fantastic to chat with you. Thank you for your enthusiasm and for the stories, uh, you know, which point obviously to the God who, you know, we read about in the Bible, but sadly not, we don't always experience or see him working in those ways so thank you for that and thank you Tony. and um do as as uh, stephen suggested uh, type in impact nations find out 
a little bit about what they do. Um, you'll find, I think, on their website the story of Steve Stewart, who actually talks about how the Lord led him into this ministry. And maybe this is a, a journey that you're going to take uh, one day. So do um, also log on to Premier's own website, www.premier.org.uk, and you can listen to archived versions of the Leadership Fund, including this one in due course. So I look forward to your company again next Sunday at uh, 3.30. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk. 